you to remain standing, please, for our scripture reading, which comes this morning from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She lives very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshiped God with fasting and prayer night and day. She approached at that very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Israel. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. Before I begin, I just wanted to remind you just to please pay attention as you're going around the church property. Uh, The roofers have been hard at it. Probably another four weeks, six weeks, I don't even know, but it's getting done and that's good. But we don't want anyone to, if something blows off the roof or anything, so if y'all just be careful as you're walking around and driving around. Uh, This morning I want to share with you, or we're reading a passage of scripture that for some of us may sound very familiar. It's a passage of scripture that we often read around the season of Christmas or right after Christmas. But today we're looking at one of the faithful women in the New Testament from the Gospel of Luke, and her name is Anna. And before we think about Anna and her part in the scripture, I think it's helpful for us to see where her story falls in Luke's gospel. Because Jesus has been born, and it's 40 days now, and Mary, uh, since his birth. And so Mary and Joseph have now taken him, as is customary, to the temple to offer sacrifice, because Mary is now able, she's now considered uh, ritually clean after childbirth, to be able to go and offer a sacrifice to God. And so when they enter the temple, the Holy Spirit uh, prompts an old man named Simeon. And often we read about Simeon and Anna together in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 on the Sunday we read this scripture. The scripture tells us that Simeon has been waiting, he has been praying, he has been uh, looking ahead for the redemption of Israel. And we know that what that means is that what he is looking for is he's looking for the Messiah. He's waiting for the Messiah. The Holy Spirit has told him that before he dies, he will be able to witness the one who was promised by God. And so the Spirit led Simeon into the temple, which we know the temple is a vast space. I mean, it's multiple football fields in size, the Temple Mount at the time of Jesus. And so this is a big space. It's a large space. There's lots of people. There's people milling around and offering sacrifice and and going and, and going to pray and doing all these different things that happen there. And so the Spirit leads Simeon to where he finds this young couple who have an infant with them, and Simeon took Jesus in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared a salvation in the presence of all your people. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. And so during this blessing is where Anna comes up. So if you read the gospel, it's kind of hard for us because both of them, I mean, I think what is happening is Anna is led up and she hears and sees what Simeon is doing. And at that very moment, she begins to praise God because she probably has known Simeon for many years and both of them have been waiting. Both of them have been looking. Both of them have likely discussed what it means for them to have redemption and what it means for Israel to be offered redemption. And so we don't know if they both agreed on what they were looking looking for but I think what we can know is that when she walked up she saw Simeon holding a baby she saw Simeon praising God she heard the prayer that he offered and then she knew 
that what she had been waiting for for so many years was there. And so Luke tells us in chapter 2, verse 36, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. He tells us she was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshiped God with fasting and prayer night and day. So Luke tells us a couple of things there that he wants us to see, that he wants us to understand. First, that Anna is not just a regular person who is there in the temple. But Luke goes out of his way to tell us what? He says she is a prophet. She was a prophet. And if you look in the scriptures, there are only six women who are listed as prophets in the Old and New Testaments. And Anna's really the only prophet in the New Testament. And so if you think of people like Miriam from Exodus... She was Moses' sister. She traveled in Exodus, and and she's the one who led the women of Israel in praise when they looked across the the sea, when they saw the sea close upon Pharaoh's army. Miriam was the one that that, that led that celebration. There was Deborah, who if you read in the book of Judges, who was the only female judge in the whole history, history of Israel. In fact, she's the only woman in all of Scripture who held a position of leadership and then was blessed for it in the way the Scripture tells us. There's a woman named Huldah in 2 Kings 22. She told King Josiah when, when he was going to bring about a, a reform in the, in the city of Jerusalem in Judah. Huldah went to him and said, here's what you need to do. Here's what you have to do. Here's what God is going to require of all of the people in order for you to return to God and for God to be pleased with the worship and conduct of the people of Judah. There's a prophetess named Noadiah in Nehemiah who was a false prophet, but it's still a prophet in the Old Testament. And then in the book of Isaiah chapter 8, the wife of Isaiah, who's not named, is, was called a prophet as well. Now see, here's where I got caught up as I was reading this scripture this past week because I think we tend to think prophet. We think foretelling of something that's going to happen, don't we? We think of someone who who maybe has special revelations or special messages given by God. But Anna doesn't do that, does she? Not in the traditional sense as we think of prophet. If you would go and read the book of 1 Kings, You know, we've read the story together as a church last year, I guess, or the year before, the the story of Elijah, where we read about a man who was given the word by God, who has given a, uh, a reason that the word was coming to him, and he had a plan and a purpose for what God was using him and having him do when he encountered King Ahab and when he challenged him. And so what Luke wants us to see with Anna is that her being a prophet means that she was someone who was in tune with God. And so that could mean that she was a gifted teacher, that she was someone who was a faithful encourager of others who came into the temple. It could be that someone that she was someone that when other women came in, there was the court of women there in the temple. That she was one that was able to mill amongst them and to pray with them and to teach them and to encourage them. It could be that what Luke wants us to see by calling her a prophet is that Anna was something who, who, someone who had such a deep love in her heart that there was nothing she could do except live and act in ways that were uncommon as she anticipated what God was going to do in the person of Jesus Christ and in the redemption of Israel. 
Luke also tells us another little fact about her, that she was a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. All right, I have to confess to you all until I read a commentary this week. I never thought about this one. Asher was the eighth son of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. We know from the story of Joseph. His mother was not either Leah or, or Rachel, one of the sons of, or wives of Jacob, but his mother was actually one of the concubines. Her name was Zilpah. And so when the people of Israel settled into the land of Canaan, Asher was given that territory that's that green strip on the very northern tip along the uh, coast. Oh, wow. Who's got the mouse? Is that Ka That's Katie. Okay. All right. All right, so Asher, so what I think is significant for us as we're reading this is to know biblical history. We know from biblical history that when the northern kingdom split off, from the southern kingdom, which is basically the, the map north is the northern kingdom of Israel. And then there was the southern kingdom of, Jer of Judah that, you know, capital city was Jerusalem. We know that the northern kingdom, part of what they did in order to become unique and to split off from the region of Judah, from the nation of Judah, was to worship other gods. So Luke telling us that Anna was of the tribe of Asher tells us something significant. It lets us know that she and her family were unusual and that they remained faithful to God even as all their neighbors chose to worship other gods. And so what's Luke saying to us? He's saying that Anna is not just someone who, who chose to worship God herself, but he's saying to us that she came from a people who chose to orient their lives to the God of Israel from the beginning. He wants us to know and to see that, that there's significance in that. And so it's not just this, this thing that Anna's doing, but it's something that, that not just she has been looking to, but her father and his family and forefathers and generations before have all been waiting for the redemption of Israel and they've all remained faithful to God. So it's not just something that she decided to do. But it's who she was, and, that, and, and it was how she had oriented her life, and how God had chosen, or was cho she had chose to allow God to work in and through her heart. The other thing is, is Luke tells us that she'd been married for seven years, and her husband died, leaving her childless. So the scripture tells us she was 84 years a widow. There's some discrepancy and discussion of her age. Many think it's the 84 years, although some say that she was married and then she was a widow 84 years, so she was in her hundreds. I don't think it matters. But I think what matters is what she's chosen to do with her life. Because the scripture tells us that Anna never left the temple but worshiped God with fasting and prayer each night and day. She didn't depart from the temple. She stayed there. She was there at night. She was there during the day. She was praying. She was fasting. She was anticipating. She was encouraging. She was teaching. She was doing whatever she needed to do in order to be ready for her to see and for her to witness and for her to experience that which God had promised for all of the people. So it could have been that she was able to stay in the temple. There were apartments around the courtyards, the outside walls. That the priests who came in from neighboring areas, that you know, they'd come and, and they'd have two weeks that they were supposed to work in the temple before they returned to their homes. And so they had little apartments that they could live in. 
So it could be that Anna was able to reside in one of those to use it because of her service and her faithfulness. It could be that others had recognized her for her devotion to God and her constant commitment to what she was doing, and they saw that she was always there. But the scripture tells us that she was there, she engaged in fasting and worship night and day, and she'd been doing that. Basically, if you think about it, if she's 84 for 60 plus years, and then she saw Jesus. And her prayers immediately turned to praise. And she began to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Now I think it's interesting, Luke doesn't tell us what she said specifically, does he? Luke doesn't write that Anna went out and said this or said that, but what Luke writes for us is that she saw and heard the blessing of Simeon as he held the baby in his arms, and she immediately knew that what she had seen was what she had been waiting for, what had been promised for her and for all of the people. And so her reaction was to immediately speak about Jesus to everyone to everyone there who was looking forward to the redemption of Israel. See, she'd been looking forward to this, hadn't she? She'd been anticipating it. She had now discovered what what she had been looking ahead to. She had received that which she had been praying and fasting for. Her heart, as we've talked about earlier, had been oriented to God. It was positioned to where she was prepared to encounter God. And so when she did encounter God, the only thing she could do then was to praise God and to tell others. Because the Messiah had come. And Anna was very, one of the very first to, to know who he was, to recognize who he was. She was one of the very first who was able to see And to know without depending on the angel making an announcement or anything else. She didn't follow a star. But she saw Jesus. And she was faithful. And she became one of the foremost and very first witnesses of Jesus Christ. But see what I love about her story is that Her reaction was not to keep close in her heart and not tell others what she had seen or experienced. But what was her reaction? It was to tell others, wasn't it? It was to tell others of what she had seen, what she had heard, and to tell others that the one had come who were also waiting for the redemption of Israel. That's her legacy. And we don't know what else happened to her In Luke's gospel, it's highly likely that if she was in her 80s when she saw the infant Jesus, she wasn't alive when Jesus' adult ministry began. But she plays a crucial and important role in pointing out and in affirming who Jesus was for us even at the very beginning. She saw Jesus and her reaction was to spend the rest of her life telling others about him. That's her legacy. Her legacy was to encounter Jesus, and her legacy was to let others know. Anna couldn't sit on the words that she'd been given. She couldn't sit on that which she'd been waiting for. She couldn't sit on what she had heard and what she had seen and what she had received, but she had to tell other people. And that was her legacy. 
And see, as we read of her this morning, and as I think of her, I think we also, I don't, I don't think that, that her plan was to go and to find Jesus so that, so that her legacy would be what we remember her for today. But see, God was in her heart. And so when she encountered Jesus, her only reaction, her only action was telling others what she had just seen and heard. And so as followers of Jesus, we also have to ask what our legacy is about how we tell others, about what we've done to pass on the gift of faith to, to our children or grandchildren or friends or whoever it is. Because really, if you think about it, that's the greatest legacy that you and I can leave behind. It's not just what we've done in our life, but it's what we've done to pass on the faith to those that come behind us. Because if Anna didn't share and affirm what she had seen in the temple, others would not have heard. If, if people like Paul and others would not have, have witnessed or heard of the ministry of Jesus Christ, it wouldn't have gone on. But see, that's their legacy too. And see, Paul in his letter to Timothy, he wrote in this, chapter 4, verse 6 to 8, as he talked about his legacy. He's in prison He's waiting. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's writing this, this young man that has been an accomplice in ministry, a partner in ministry for these years. And he's saying, I'm already being poured out like a sacrifice to God and the time of my death is near. I fought the good fight, finished the race and kept the faith. At last, the champion's wreath that is awarded for righteousness is waiting for me. The Lord, who is the righteous judge, is going to give it to me on that day. He's giving it not only to me, but on all those who have set their heart on waiting for his appearance. See, Paul understood that what he had to do was pass on the faith. And as he's sitting at the end, he's able to look back and say what? I've done it. I've done what I was called to do. And God has given this not just to me, but to all of those, to all of us who have set their hearts to wait on his appearance. Amen.